Hello, I'm Claire Cooper. And I'm April Wilde. It's time to kick back, relax, and surrender. Surrender. Welcome to With Intention Podcast, a place where we grow, we flow, we delve deeper, and peel back those layers and just learn a little bit more. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Hey everyone, and welcome back to our weekly lifestyle podcast. We are so excited for today's conversation with Kevin O'Neill, who is the founder of Breathe Illusion. He's helping so many through breathwork, cold exposure therapy, and self-discovery. We've all seen this interest in cold water therapy like booming in the last year, and year on year really. Frequent exposure is linked to so many physical health benefits, but we are fascinated today by how much, in fact, it helps us mentally. Kevin has helped thousands to overcome anxiety, trauma, and addiction. And I've personally worked with Kevin, and his knowledge is just so inspiring. In fact, after losing my mum last year to cancer, his nurturing one-to-ones helped me and my sister process through some really deep grief. So today we are going to dive deep into talking on the breath, dealing with trauma and releasing, and the importance of nose breathing and so much more. So I want to welcome in now Kevin to the conversation. Hey, Kevin. <laughs> wow, what an intro. <laughs> that takes oh. some living up to that. That was a good one. <laughs> well, it's all that. true, isn't yeah. it? Like you've done so much for so many people. And you know, in this holistic world, obviously I connect with so many people having the cafe, being a teacher. And I just hear so many come to me and say, oh yeah, I know Kevin. I've worked with him before. And it seems like you are everywhere at the moment. <laughs> but I am, yeah. I suppose you put yourself out there. Um, and I think, you know, with, with Instagram, social media, you know, you put yourself out there and you've got to be ready to be sort of, sort of scrutinised and then searched out by people and yeah. Generally, I don't. I don't do any advertising, and so most of it's just word of mouth, really. So, like you said, people come into the cafe, and you know, yeah. or to find this guy. Where, where, where is he? What's where's he working from? And I yeah, think that's the best way, mouth. though. It's always the best way when it's word of mouth. It shows that you're doing something right. And <laughs> yeah. I wanted to. I wanted to start off like we wanted to know, and for our listeners, like w- let's get to the root of what is cold water therapy, and how is it changing people's lives. Mm. Um, well, obviously, the, the, the craze with, with cold water therapy as such at the moment, obviously, is the Wim Hof method, um, of, of which he teaches and, and his, um, his instructors are coaching. Okay. Cold water therapy is completely unique to the individual okay. in terms of feelings and emotions and your life experience. Um, well, cold water really is anything that's cold enough to make you feel uncomfortable. It's not mm. two degrees, not 20 degrees. It's whatever makes you feel uncomfortable and you can process sensation and emotion and feeling while you're in the cold. So it's very, very specific to individual, mm. believe it or not. And, you know, over the last few years, I've probably seen about around about 2,000 people um, in and out of the cold, small groups yeah. and, and one-to-ones. It's very, very popular at the moment. And it's interesting when you say, because I know you've said to me before, when we were doing our one-to-ones, like, stress is actually quite important for us could you go go into that a bit because it's like I suppose we are we do live quite comfortable lives don't we and why is it why should we be doing this like practice every day like is it do you think it's more helps mentally or physically or just a bit of both you know I think they come hand in hand um you know without going into too much sort of scientific stuff about the organism you know the the, the mental and physical they are the same thing um Mm. because they they all involve chemical reactions because uh, we're just giant chemistry sets but it's the, the reason why it's helping mentally is is because it's given us uh, resilience it's, it's allowing mm. us to build up resilience to external environment but what happens when we start to find comfort in the things that make us uncomfortable we we, we start to adapt and those adaptations they stay in the body you don't really leave it in the cold you you come out of the cold shower, you come out of the cold tank, the ocean, uh, and you take it with you. Mm-hmm. So 
this is what sort of Wim Hof's trying to get across, and you know, and he, you know, his instructors are doing a pretty good job of it. Um, of just saying, you know, step out of that comfort zone. You know, we as human beings, we've become far too comfortable, mm. and that's changing evolution. It's changing the evolution of the organism itself and uh, how we adapt to environment, internal environment and external. I mean, if we think about it, we're inside a lot. We're on our computers, we're on social media more than ever, and heating's yeah. always on. I mean, I find it's not I mean isn't there a statistic like the amount of hours people spend outside is crazy like when you look at the stats and I just think what I love about your work is you're you're outdoors a lot you're going out in rivers and ice baths and different places but also you've got that element of you you do some like um mental training where you go like running and um long distance and all sorts of different training and I think it's that resilience we need to build and we need to get out in the cold more. And especially because, you know, you hear a lot, like I take the kids into school in the morning. They're like, I mean, actually yesterday they said to me, oh, you can't, um, you can't go outside unless he has a coat on. They rang me up because I forgot his coat. And I said, don't be silly. Just <laughs> let him go outside. He's absolutely fine. Okay. And we've got this like bubble wrapping mentality, haven't we, in our day and age where we have to, um, yeah. Sure. And that is... That's quite damaging, April, because mm. you know, if you think about it in terms of how we've evolved as mankind, um, taking away your religious beliefs, obviously, of course, um, you know, this is bearing in mind Darwin's principle um, that, that we have evolved, you know, from, from, from other animals, which is more than highly the case. Um, we were really cold. We were mm. freezing cold. And we used to bathe in cold water, mm. not hot water. And that wasn't really all that long ago. Um, my grandfather used to strip wash out in his backyard in a tin bath. Wow. And he, worked, he worked in a foundry, not all that long ago, you know, in the last hundred years. Mm. So, you know, we've got to appreciate that our ancestors were really cold. Mm. And the thing is now when we get out of a, a central heated house, we'll jump into a a nice Audi, you know, a nice yeah. car with, with heated steering wheels and <laughs> heated seats uh, with our North Face jackets on that are insulated and have insulate gloves. And then we, we step into a fully heated supermarket. We do our shopping. We come back into the warm car. Uh, we're never cold. And that's causing problems. It's causing problems with children, obviously, because of, you know, sort of tales from the past, you know, wrap up, you'll catch a death of cold and, you know, you're going to catch the yeah. flu. And all this sort of thing, all wives' tales, really, um, because we need the cold, you know. And and maybe that exposure from an early age would then set them up for their strong immune system from early life. I mean, I know Claire's got her little one with her today, uh, live on the podcast, which is beautiful. Um, But like, what do you think? Let's talk about. I know you've just had a baby. Congratulations as well. Um, And I think for you, you know, you've got a newborn in the house, like. Let's talk a little bit on that. Like, do you, for resilience, what is a good time to start like working with children? And and because I, I, what I'm so interested in is the breath as well. Because I know we we've talked a lot about how babies and children just so naturally breathe, but we lose that, don't we? So sure. um, yeah, they're a good example of, of nice nose breathing and deep, deep belly breathing, and it's amazing. Absolutely, it is. It's amazing to watch them. And <clears throat> after sort of maybe sort of um. 13 years of us watching a baby, 13 years ago was the last time we saw Declan, um, mm. our our third child, and we, we watched him as a baby. So you kind of lose touch with it a little bit. So this one's a bit of a surprise, obviously. <laughs> um, but um, just witnessing him now and in his breathing, with the knowledge that I have now, I can see exactly what his autonomic nervous system's doing and how he's breathing. Sometimes he's a bit bunged up and a bit blocked mm. up, a bit sicky or whatever. Mm. But constantly watching his is good breathing, you know, his nasal breathing, which we start to do naturally unless there's mechanical issues or there might be deformity or whatever. Obviously, yeah. but majority of the time, um, we're, we're nasal breathers. But you, you mentioned when's a good time to start. And the thing is, is that we've already started mm. because by being born, uh, the actual process of, of, of giving birth and being born as a human, you're already lined up for cold because 
Yeah, you'll probably know the temperature better than me, but I think it's probably about 50 degrees, is it? Mm. This constant amniotic temperature yeah. that you surround yourself, is surrounded, you know, surrounding you for nine months. So you're in this bubble of parasympathetic safety. It's the safest place we'll ever be. And it's the constant temperature, regardless of how cold it is outside. Um, and then all of a sudden, nine months later, you're, you're pushed into vulnerability. You're forced mm. through a narrow canal um, and you come out into cold. The atmosphere changes, mm. but you're made to feel cold. It's the first thing, one of the first things that you experience. So we're already started. It's how we work afterwards then by cuddling them up and wrapping them up too much that can sometimes change, you know, how anxious they are in the future or how vulnerable they become as young people. And then eventually teenagers and adults it's so, so interesting oh yeah sorry Claire you tell Hello. us about your experience with little one as well well I mean I just want to touch on the whole sort of the outside and the elements and so on because my my little one he sleeps really well when he's out in the fresh air and my mum would religiously do that with us when we were young we'd always stay outside for our naps we'd be wrapped up but the air would be you know flowing through us and to us and it's really, really popular in Scandinavian countries as well. It's something that they practice religiously with their children. And we, we we kind of keep all our kids indoors all the time. But actually, my son's at nursery and it's a very wild, wonderful, organic place. And um, they wrap them up in little sleeping bags. They're like little caterpillars in a row. And they're all outside taking in the fresh air. Even in the coldest days, they're there wrapped up and they sleep so well. They look so healthy and they're not cooped up inside. And I just think... There's so much that that we're not touching on with the fresh air and what can actually how much we can actually benefit mm. from it. And I know when I've been inside too long, I feel it because when I step out, my lungs, they just yeah. feel different. It just feels a completely different motion that's going through my entire body. So I just wanted to touch on that and share that that I know I can see the benefits of my toddler right now sleeping outside and and he sleeps so much better and he's in a much better mood as well. Yeah, you find it with them. If you find, you know, you've got the kids at the weekend or through the week and they're getting really rattled, literally just get into the park or anywhere I go up for a big walk. They, it's just like it instantly calms them nature. Just they're able to be free. And and I think it is linked to the breath, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like that, more oxygen outside, just vitamin D. And even on a rainy day, I think rain's good. Like we've got this fear of <laughs> getting out in the rain. And I just think it's so interesting that we need to focus on that word, Kevin, that resilience, because I suppose me as a yoga teacher, actually, I was trained like 10 years ago, you know, to calm the mind and be with the breath. And we do lots of slow breathing and which I obviously has its place and it's very important. But then only recently in the last few years, I've got into this, you know, which I was fascinated with when we did our session um, our first session was you're holding the breath and you restricting the breath in some way and then doing like quite short, sharp breaths and sure. you bring you and you, if you could tell us a little bit more about the benefits of that because that was fascinating to me and I've actually really started to incorporate that into my daily routine now. Mm. Sure, sure. So I mean, basically, um, from the from the the minute we're born, we're, we're kind of on a roller coaster of vulnerability and safety. Um, the organism is, uh, and generally, we need stress on the body, uh, and if we don't get sort of controlled stress, we can end up sort of becoming victims to chronic stress that we don't really have much control Mm. over. Chronic stress is causing anxiety, it's causing depression, it's making people mentally and physically quite poorly. Now, in terms of how you're breathing, your your, your brain has certain um, breathing centres or receptors that monitor your breathing constantly, every breath almost that you're taking is monitored. So really the, the the first way that you breathe when you come out, all right, you're practicing to breathe the third trimester. We, we spoke, spoke a, bit, a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. You start to hiccup, you feel your baby hiccuping inside your womb and uh, we're, we're, we're taking on some of the amniotic fluid, <clears throat> excuse me, to practice to breathe for when we come out. First breath you take is a gasp, it's an inhale because your lungs empty, your lungs fill with oxygen that's an explosion in the brain then from that point as a baby when you take that first breath into the into your life of breathing which eventually 
ends on an exhale. So you come in on an inhale and you depart on an mm. exhale, which is which is quite beautiful. But in terms of how you're breathing day to day, your 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 nervous system will will alter your perception of environment. It will throw things into the brain and into the fascia of your body to try and get you back to safety, depending on how you're breathing. So getting back to the different types of breathing. By breathing fast and hard through the mouth, you're, you're breathing into basically your sympathetic drive, your sympathetic chain. So you're breathing into fight, flight, and freeze. So you're breathing into stress, really. Because the first time that you ever breathed like that was when you were born, because you took a gas, and you're pre-boxing a complex in the brain, your medulla, your your amygdala, and witnessing all these breaths. So when you breathe heavily, you're you're kind of regressing with your breath. You're going back, you know, maybe all the way back to your first breath. Who knows? We, we only know so much. But <clears throat> by doing that, you're gonna. You're going to um, excite the body. You're going to change your biochemistry by altering the biomechanics, how you breathe. You alter your biochemistry. Uh, but sometimes it can also be quite regressive in terms of emotions mm. and feelings, which is why we see people that are doing these big, deep breath sessions. And sometimes they're hysterical. Sometimes they're, they're so upset, they're crying, they're laughing, mm. that they're, uh, they're expressing emotions, mm. maybe not releasing we might we might get onto that later, but um, so yeah, so that's so hard and fast breathing or two more breathing cyclic hyperventilation techniques, which they've been doing for thousands of years. This isn't Wim Hof's. Mm. You no, know, two more breathing is not his. It doesn't belong to him. It's just the way that he does it, which is you know taking the world by storm, which is an amazing it, technique. It's amazing how he's just taken off, but then because I was actually oh, it was interesting to see Wim Hof everywhere, but. What I liked about your techniques, it's very, it's so um, more nurturing and and a bit more because I have I have done the Wim Hof methods and and I'm I think it's great and it works for some people. Um, I've got like a a rare heart condition and I've got you know some other things and I found that what was so special about yours when I came for that one to one is, you know that you really well you focus more you gave people an option it wasn't didn't have to just be through the mouth like in and out through the mouth it could be out through the nose if you wanted or in and through the nose and that really calmed me because I found it quite stress like a bit too stressful and a bit too triggering for my heart to do it just through the mouth and yeah I wanted to touch on that like how do you think your approach is different because it just for me I've done both and it just seems so much more on the mental side. It's very calming. You leave feeling yeah. like I've actually let go of some hidden trauma or something that's been within me when I do your sessions. Yeah. See, the thing is, and, and I'm, I'm probably going to go live tonight and talk about trauma. I'm going to talk mm. about why we breathe the way that we breathe. And you mentioned then that you know, breathing through the mouth sometimes can make can feel a bit triggering. So we kind of have to have to ask what that is. So because your body keeps the score, and you ask with the book by Bessel van der Kolk, the body mm. keeping the score, at what level is it keeping the score of your trauma, of your past? And sometimes I see people who say, well, I've, I've not had any trauma. I've had a wonderful childhood. Um, my mother and father were, were, were fantastic. I had a, a magical childhood, which is fine. But then they, they sort of said, well, there was this one odd occasion where I was locked in a cupboard once and, and I couldn't get out. My sister had locked me in mm. and, I was holding my breath while mm. I was in there. So trauma. Yeah. And even being born itself for the organism is traumatic. Mm. So has everybody been through trauma? Yes, they have. It's not possible really to be alive now as, a, as an adult mm. without having trauma. It's the origins of what keeps us alive. It's mm. how the nervous system gets us back to safety. Mm. In fact, Charles Darwin wrote about it in 1872. He said that the sole purpose, really, for human emotions is to initiate movement in the organism to get it back to safety, to, to physical equilibrium. And that's kind of what we're going through as humans all day in the mind sometimes as well. And this is what they refer to these days as the catastrophizing mind. But it will show you while you're breathing, because the first time, the first breath you ever took, was monitored it was witnessed by your brain and it was 
it was a gasp and it was an inward breath, which is why that feels different. It's active. The inward breath is connected to all sorts of unusual sensations down your back, your vagus nerve tingles. Mm. It's connected to the past. Yet the exhale is, is passive. When you let go of it, it's release. It's not vulnerability, it's safety. So for people, say, let's say, who've never done this before, you know, like the breath work and the cold water. Yeah, so Claire's quite new to it. So this is good because I know you said, uh, Claire, has your husband tried it out quite a lot? Yes. He does okay. cold water. Mm. So during COVID, my husband, you know, obviously he discovered the Wim Hof um, <laughs> craze that was going on. Um, but certainly he started to, he gets really into things as my husband Emmett. And he he started the cold water therapy. Now, we were in Ireland at the time and it's huge over there. Everyone gets in the water of every age. Truly, it's it's wonderful to see. And all the Irish are getting in the sea and other people that might be there from other continents and so on. And Emma just, he did it every day religiously. And he got all his castmates doing it as well. And and what I noticed when he does do it, the energy that he comes out with is so uplifting and positive. Mm. He, his skin looks vibrant. He looks vibrant. He His energy is, all those things. Now, I didn't because... I had a baby in my arms, which is my toddler at the time. And now I've got a baby in my arm at the moment, but I'm really keen to do it. So I'd be interested to ask you what the process is. So if I turned up to one of your sessions, what does that look like for people out there like me that's thinking, oh, I really want to experience this because I do. I want to come and see you. Sure. And um, yeah, you're welcome to come and see me. Absolutely. And I think allowing yourself to be able to sort of show up for you really, which is why I don't really do these big, big group sessions. Or I don't really think that the individuals are getting as much from it when they do these big group sessions because what you're really trying to do is, is look at your shadow a little bit when you're getting in the cold as well mm-hmm. uh, because it will generally show you and it, you know, more often than not, you, you're you're feeling lonely and and you go you're, and you're quite inward and vulnerable when you're on your own in your mm-hmm. life. It's a lonely thing, vulnerability, because we're on our own. As soon as they cut the cord, we're, we're, we're on our own. Bearing, within reason, obviously, we have caregivers, etc., etc. So when you come into the cold, it's a very personal thing because what will show up for you will be you. Um, and sometimes if you get in, in towards with, with groups of people, it, 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 you can be reflecting some of them rather than what's going on too much in yourself, or you can be comparing yourself to others and generally when people go to big group sessions they go to big group sessions they're a splash about their hands are out yeah it's amazing fantastic it's great release all the dopamine and they get all the chemicals but then when they go away and they go home and they get in the tank on their own i don't like it i need to get out yeah that's so true kevin i think you touched on it there because i've been to both of yours one with a group one well one to one and you like, I think in the group session, it's more exhilarating, like you're in this in community and you feel like I've done it. I remember going over to the happy pair actually in, in Ireland and doing it with the massive team there. And you feel like, yes, I'm part of something yeah. big. But so Claire, you need to feel that one-to-one because going to Kevin's and actually I, I was really surprised actually. I was like preparing myself to get there. Okay and getting in, in this tank but it's not like that at all it's more like you do a lot of preparation could you explain that so if Claire was to come to you what would yeah. she expect because it is very it's quite a process isn't there to build building you up mm. there is a process which is why they do the Wim Hof fundamentals you've got to try and understand but even with the Wim Hof fundamentals they're still not explaining to their clients they're still not explaining to their, their, their mm. instructors what's going on in the body when, you, mm. when you're breathing in a certain way, when you hyperventilate the body, the, the brain doesn't really want you to, the body doesn't want you to do it, really. So you have to understand what's happening in your body when you breathe, when you stop breathing, when you hyperventilate. You have to understand what's going on in your biochemistry first. And if you understand what's going on in your biochemistry, when you're getting into the cold, you can witness it differently. You can feel the sensations. And of course, because I, in a, in a one-to-one situation, I get in with people. My mm. reactions are going to be different to theirs, but I'll talk them through what they're going through at the time. And when you get that kind of one-to-one instruction, it makes it a lot easier to adjust to the, to the one, to the environment that your body thinks is threatening because it's so cold on the body. But maintaining that breath is is 
the biggest part of it. So once you understand that by breathing slowly and breathing in through your nose, almost as if you're back on the breast of your mother, I know that's a bit unusual, but by nasal breathing, it's connected to safety. Mm. So by, by slowing your breathing down and, and being in control of your nervous system, it completely changes how you feel in the cold. So it's it's, it's no good going in and... <laughs> yeah. And it's taking your breath away because that's fear again. That's what you always do when you're frightened. You're not going to build resilience by being frightened in an external environment. You have to be in control in that environment. But I feel like it's interesting because uh, April touched on the fact that she felt like your experience was very nurturing. And that really appeals to me because when I was in Ireland, I did actually sort of go out to the sea, but I'd only got to my sort of knees and I ran back because I felt really um, exposed and I was really self-conscious and I just felt, you know, just not ready. And I, I think it is, it is a process. It is a, a treatment that I'm giving myself and a cleanse and mm-hmm. it needs to be protected and with somebody that can guide you slowly and, and take you through the elements and the motions. And like you said, the, the biochemistry, what's going on with your body. I, I would need that. I would need that encouragement. I mean, Claire, it was amazing when I went to Kevin's, like the knowledge you have on the science of the body. Like I was, I mean, you were teaching me things about my heart and how things work that even my cardiologists haven't said before, like how from a baby and how things, it was amazing. And like, obviously I know, you know, you're not kind of recommending things. You're just kind of, uh, is that like education, isn't it? But when I got there, we had a chat, we had a cup of tea, really relaxed and very, what I like about Kevin's approach, so you know, really listens. It felt like better than any therapy session I've ever had. And it's just, you really, you know what I mean? You listen and you nurture and then you've got all these soft like furnishings around. And it was actually, we did a one-to-one with me and my sister as well. So we lay down and especially after going through with the process of losing my mom and deep loss, we felt very, it was a very nice, like maybe you'd had incense on or it was a really nice, clean environment, really calm. Like the senses were alive and and then you do all the breath work first. So um, you start slow and then you build up and he, he coaches you through where we're going to get to. And then even what I liked, Kevin, is you're very close to you and you're like going like right, in, in, in or out, out, out. And then you kind of get a beat going. So you kind of, you feel so coached. And then when you do the breath hold, so maybe you can, you'll be able to explain this all better, Kevin, but you do this bit, Claire, where you hold your breath in. And it feels like you can't go on anymore. And it's a little bit like when I'm doing birth coaching with women, you feel like you might not be able to go on on anymore. But then you just find this like inner power to hold, to keep holding your breath and you're starting to expand your lungs. And I had this like awakening when I was doing it, Kevin, like I felt like I just suddenly had all this other resource of oxygen coming through my body, which we do, obviously we can go a long time holding our breath. But, and then when you let go, it was like all of this release, all this energy like negativity I've been carrying was just let go and maybe you could tell us a bit about that Kevin because that, that was powerful and I actually think I got more out of the breath work first uh, than I did even the cold which was powerful yeah. and, and you mentioned it and you probably said the word I don't know maybe three or four times there but you mentioned mm-hmm. the word feel and most of this is about feeling and we're kind of losing touch with that really because a lot of the time we're still in the head too mm-hmm. much and, and like I said when you go to these big group sessions and stuff it can be a little bit too much in the head because there's so many people around. Uh, you go a bit inward because you, because you, you know, you. How are you showing up to other people? How do other people perceive you? Mm. You come in a small group. You don't have that really. You would have had a certain amount of it as a, as, a, mm. as an animal and as a sister. Yeah, it would have been certain. Yeah, within reason. If, if you're not on your own, and if you do a one to one. There's a certain amount of the the animal that's wondering how you're showing up towards your mm. your teacher or whatever. So when you do this on your own and you do your breathing on your own, it's different again, and it feels different. It feels different because you're on your own in a room. When you do it with me and I'm in the room, it feels different again. This is what I need people to explore. I need people to explore the feel. Mm-hmm. getting with three people getting with four people going in the day going in the dark going in running water going still water mm-hmm. whatever it is that you change you're building different adaptation each time 
and and that's what we do. we need to 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 do as many different things in as many different modalities as possible to to give the body an opportunity to adapt to everything, and then we get stronger. Then we get the ability to build resilience and keep it. So and, it's more exposure, just keeping with that exposure and trying to open yourself up to trying new things and. Just, sure. I remember when I was recently, or last year in the Lake District, and I saw that they were doing this cold water um, experience. We had to go in silence. In It was in the stargazing. So I think near Windermere, Windermere Lake. Oh my gosh, it was absolutely breathtaking. Like just, and, and we did a little bit of the breath work first, but just, you know, actually, if we do this more and start to expose ourselves to new opportunities, like the Irish tradition, going in the sea and New Year's Day and yeah. starting to just adapt because a lot of other cultures do this i mean when i've seen videos like in iceland and uh, russia and they get kids doing it as well like it's but then it's like i mean there's some been some terrible things on the news about um accidents and all sorts going on um with the ice and people falling in but what about if and it's so saddening but if we were taught this in schools if we were taught how I, i can't help but think what about in that situation if the parents knew more about what to do sure. if there was a, an incident or we were exposed to extreme, we were stuck somewhere in extreme cold. The breath is really something. What I was so surprised with the more sessions I've done with you is how I can hold my breath for a really long time. And I can actually, it's quite empowering to know that and sure. empowering to know that I can be in this water, but it's all in the mind. And sure. and we have to face, maybe, would you say that then it's facing up to letting this arise, this feeling, does it then bring up and start to, would you say release our traumas from our past? And then, um, and the more we do that, does that just start to build a more resilient body then? Hmm. Definitely. And I think if you look at the statistics of of children that drown in Scandinavia Hmm. and cold countries, Finland and Iceland, look at the statistics for how many people drown here or how many people drown in the States. Because... You've got to ask the question, are the kids used to the cold when they fall mm. in it? Is it the fact that they can't swim? No, it's not. It's the gas reflex. Yeah. And if they're not used to the cold, they're just... It's panic, isn't it? It's panic mode it's panic. and yeah. Yeah. And if your body's not if your if, if your body, if your physiology isn't used to that temperature on it, you're going mm. to gasp. You did it mm. the first time you were born. The, the time you were born, you gasped. The body keeps the score, it remembers. And this is what it does all the way through your life. So you have to be in command of it. You know, if you look at Wim Hof getting to two degrees, or anybody that's used to the cold, he's, hey, come on in, no problem. Some people behind him, they're, they're used to the cold, and they're still... Yeah. He's, 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 he's offered himself different levels of resilience. He'd get up in the middle of the night, if you read Becoming the Iceman, he'd get up in the middle of the night and go down to a spot in the river, in, in the pitch black, yeah. and he'd jump into the void knowing that the water's there. Oh but by doing so, what resilience does that build in the body? What mm. does that overcome? It becomes overcomes a fear of the dark, the unexpected. But where do you take that? You take that into the supermarket, you take it into school, yeah. you take it to work. You take that same ability to be able to adjust to an environment that's threatening. That's- it's pretty, it's expiring, isn't it? Like the things that you actually can achieve. Like when I read that book, and a few of Wim Hof's, like, I mean, I mean, even climbing Everest, I just find that absolutely fascinating. And in, in like literally in shorts with nothing on. And and people have said we always have to have breathing apparatus on Mount Everest. And I, I mean, it's amazing, like what the human body can achieve. Sure. And we don't need all this technology. We don't need all this equipment. We can actually. And I, what I find really interesting. So you can can you learn to train your heart rate to slow down as well with this breath work and this cold water? Like, does it, can it really affect your heart and you can really learn to, I suppose, control your body more? Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, just in a very short space of time, you can change your biochemistry. Just by doing some simple breathing exercises, you can change Mm. the acidity of your blood within, you know, a few minutes, even less, in fact. So if you have that much control over your physiology, yeah, we, we, we can we can alter you know certain things. The way we can take control back, um, and bearing in mind that the heart sits in between the lungs, your right lung is a little bit bigger than your left lung because your left lung has to compensate for where the heart sits inside it almost. 
your diaphragm is kind of underneath your lungs, so that's kind of affected by the movement as well. The whole thing is supposed to be working in time with one another. It's how they measure heart rate variability. Mm. So the more in time that is, the more we sort of find this balance between parasympathetic and sympathetic states, which is it dramatically improves health. The, the, the problem is, is that most people are always sort of sat in this sympathetic fight or flight mode. They're releasing too much adrenaline in the body. Mm. Cortisol levels are high, etc., etc. So you can That's slow your breathing down mm. and breathe in such a way. Slow breathing is the way forward. Hyperventilation is a great technique as a stressor on the body if you know how to use it and you know what it's doing in the body. Could we could we try something like with this when you say slow breathing, could we try anything now together? Like would you say even just a simple thing people could do when they woke up in the morning? Or is there anything you'd recommend? Like if people only had like a few minutes or something, um, what would you recommend? Because I suppose from a yoga teacher, I'm always like just doing really steady breathing, connect into the body, connect but would you say like breath holds are good to do once a day or you know, starting to build on that, what would you recommend? It's, it's very, very difficult to know what to <laughs> recommend for, for for everybody because it's mm. not one size shoe fits all. So, so getting you to hold your breath, getting Claire to hold her breath, because Claire can breathe through her nose, I can see I'm watching her. So but people who can't breathe through their noses, if they're a bit bummed up or if they're a bit anxious, you get somebody who's anxious to hold their breath just a bit too long, mm. it, it can invoke panic. Because mm. the, the the amygdala and carbon dioxide kind of work together. It's the fear response in, in human beings. If you look at a, a paper by Jack Feynman, uh, Feynman, I think his name is an American professor, he talks about how the, the drive for fear is connected to how we react to CO2 and how breath holding can sometimes be problematic in humans. So when you talk mm. about breath holding, which is apnea, mm-hmm. if you're holding your breath, throughout the day sometimes you'll hold your breath at night which is sleep happier yeah, yeah. and what people are finding now is that by holding their breath but they're opening emails and and then they're taking in a big deep, deep breath afterwards you know, I do it you know I, I can for, even there's a breath coach myself and a yoga teacher but I found that since I've had so much going on in my life since my mum passed sure. as well I like I notice myself just Science. blocking my nose sure. oh yeah and then suddenly going <gasps> Like that, and I'm like, oh, where's sure. this come from? And actually, interestingly, now I'm well, I'm like 25 weeks pregnant. I'm training my breath to try and get longer and longer for the birth. Like in hypnobirthing, we do a lot of breath work. But I've noticed I used to be able to just breathe in easily for like 10 seconds and breathe out for 10 seconds through my nose. Sure. And now I struggle to get to like five or six. And I'm like, so is is that something just to wake up and do some nostril breathing might be quite nice to do in the morning? I find that just even maybe just learning not to switch on your phone in the morning, just focus even if while you're making your breakfast or you're doing something calmly just sure. to deep even just deepen the breath is a powerful tool i mean mm. it, it, it is uh, and again it depends on where the individual is yeah but, but certainly in terms of if you're feeling anxious you know a couple of sharp breaths in through the nose and then really slowly out through the mouth so if you're taking okay well, let's try that now then. Come on, Claire. <laughs> so we just do two, is it two or three sharp breaths then? Just two sharp breaths. Yeah. In. And out through the mouth. And out through the mouth. And then the mm. other one is what I refer to as a bit like an anchor breath. So when I work with people with anxiety, I, I it's, it's, it's witnessing the times when you're overthinking. It's witnessing the times because if you're overthinking, you're generally generally over breathing at that time. So you're hyperventilating slightly, maybe but when you're when you're getting this brain fog sometimes as well. You know, people talk about brain fog all the time. They forget where to put my keys, and <laughs> you know, if I left my hair straight as hard, and I got out with not locked the door. Where is your head at when you're doing these quite important things? Mm. You know, you put your keys down. Your head is somewhere else. Okay, and at that point, you're probably just over breathing slightly. You're probably reducing oxygen flow to the brain. So, if you witness when you're in these states, you can do something called an anchor breath, where you breathe in four seconds and you just breathe out for six seconds through the nose. 
and you feel different. And you did something very specific there that you've done a few times and again there. Now the eye closure is connected. <laughs> do it again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> eye closure is important. Now people do this when they get in the cold. And I'm going all over the place with this, and I'm sorry, but eye closure is something that's very specific to individuals, which is why EMDR therapy works so well because eye movement is connected to your safety and mm. the first time you did that was when you latched on you were awake and then mm. so is it no surprise that when we breathe through our noses in and out slowly on that exhale that we find safety that we feel more relaxed and we can do it on one breath and when I work with teenagers, I say, look, close your mouth, breathe through your nose. And then you breathe out. And when you get to the bottom, it always feels different. I no literally matter. feel like the breath is just key, such a key <laughs> component to life. Because like you said, then you just had, you pinpointed me yesterday, brain fog. Usually I'm quite grounded if I do my daily rituals in the morning, but Yesterday I was a bit late for school and I was all over the place and I ended up like I forgot to fill my car up with petrol. I had I had to go back to school and drop my little boy's little bag because I left it in the car. And it's actually so if we start our day not in a present state and with our breath, sure. my mind was just all over the place and and it just knocks you off. And also I find that devices and technology and all these things can make us quite shallow breathe and. So it's getting the balance, isn't it? So like maybe starting your day with like nice, gentle, like just being present with your breath, listening to your breath, maybe elongating the exhale because that's when we produce a lot of oxytocin hormones as calming hormones. Uh, but then finding a part of your day, which you've really inspired me, Kevin, just to build resilience. So, you know, if you're feeling like, oh, I can't be bothered really going outside on that walk or, you know, or maybe even even better, getting yourself a little ice tank outside, like them blow up ones are amazing. And just obviously work with a guided professional first, like Kevin, but to learn how to do it. But then starting, or even the simplest thing, like my husband does every day is have a really cold shower. Like that is one of the best things. And I can't, it's like euphoric, isn't it? In a way, like you feel how you feel after, like from that fog, it like awakens your whole senses, doesn't it? And yeah, and I, I, mean, I think it, it, that word releasing does help. <laughs> I mean, literally right now, my husband has walked in from doing karate. I've heard him go down the hall and he's having a cold shower right now. <laughs> I love it. And he's going to come back with so much energy and so much, um, he's very vibrant anyway, but even more. And uh, I think um, I just, I just, you get a better version of that person. So I am looking forward to, doing it but I want to do it I want to do a one-on-one with you I want to experience that I want to learn I want to I want to do all the things correctly and in order so that my body can benefit because it's all very well jumping in a shower and not really knowing what you're doing or jumping in a a, a cold river you have to follow Mm. guidance to a certain degree and then then obviously you can take it further later on and I think that's where what I want to do because I am I'm a virgin when it comes to this you know I've not done it before (laughs) Sure. I love it. Sure, yeah. But the, th- the the importance of it is 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 what that's allowing that release of dopamine. What that's allowing, and it, and it kind of drip feeds your dopamine for quite a long time. It's not it's not like alcohol or or, or or certain drugs or chemicals that you put in your body, which is generally you know the people that end up being addicts, for instance, they're, they're more likely to have experienced some kind of trauma or something's happened in the past that's made them feel vulnerable. It could be a relationship, it could be anything. Mm. So this is why this is helping so many people because it's allowing the body to release so much dopamine. What you kind of have to be careful is that you find balance with it. Mm. Yeah. When I started to do it, because I was an alcoholic, mm. um, when I started to breathe, I started to get in the cold. I actually thought, I, you know, I don't want a drink. I don't want to have it because I was finding dopamine somewhere else. And we're generally mm. quite curious creatures and, once yeah. we find that dopamine, it's it, it's difficult then to step away from it. So, you know, Claire, you talked about your, your other Emmett, you said his name was, you said. He's, yes. He's kind of addicted to that dopamine. He has to have it. And, you know, sometimes people that have been through things in their past, you know, childhood trauma, whatever it is, we've all had our own traumas, we've all had our own experience. It's all as unique as our DNA. But we latch on to this dopamine 
And it's why, you know, you know, if you talk to people that are ultra marathon runners, bodybuilders, they all got things from their past that made them put this stress on the body. They needed to hit the stress. Um, well, could you, Kevin, touch on as well? I was going to ask you at the start of our conversation about your, a little bit, if you don't mind, going into a tiny bit of your story and how you found yourself in this work. And so I know, if you don't mind sharing, I know you struggled a little bit with addiction and um, mental health things. And I just feel like I hear it so much. Uh, having a busy cafe, people coming in like my sons, you know, like really, you know, especially men, my husband's struggling. Like we've set up like a men's circle every month, uh, every week now, because it's so important. But wh- where is this all stemming from? Why? Could you tell us about your story and then like how it's helped you? Mm. Sure. I think what it's stemming from as well is, is a, you know, you mentioned schools before. It's, I think we need to unlearn a lot of the stuff that we've been, we've been, we've been taught, especially as men, because we're always told to express our emotions. But, you know, don't remember my dad saying to me when I got, fouled at football, don't, don't cry, don't let anybody see you crying, come on, get up. And it, it's the worst thing you could possibly do that as a child because then it, it sticks. So things that happen to you as a child, it kind of moulds you. If you listen to the work of Gabba Mate, it kind of moulds you then as a human for the rest of your life and you'll mm. struggle to show your vulnerability and to allow your vulnerability. And then if you can't show your vulnerability, it sometimes comes out as ego. Mm. And it comes out as narcissism. And, and this is where I was, April, because I was I was drinking, really, not to feel. Yeah. And I was an addict because I was using chemicals because I couldn't bear me. And I went on for years, like 18 years. I, I missed a lot of my children sort of growing up and, and a lot of things I've forgotten because of alcohol. And I wasn't always a reliable husband or a, or a father at that time. I was full of ego and, you know, and, and narcissistic behaviour, you know, uh, you know, which I, I don't carry any sort of guilt or shame to that. I just, I did the best I could do at the time, April, with what yeah. I had. But it's I so, had. it's so amazing that you can share that journey now, because I think a lot of people do struggle, whether it is alcohol, whether it is addictive eating or there's all sorts of things like drugs and there's, but we it's just being open about it and knowing now that you did go through that tough time and you can look back and forgive yourself for that time and not hold it as guilt or shame and move on and go well actually now I can make an impact now I can help people and I think actually community and service helps us heal in some way as well being of a gift to others really helps us on our journeys a hundred percent hundred percent you know Brenny Brown talks about guilt and shame and they are two things that you cannot carry I mean, mm. one, it's pointless anyway. It's, it's happened in the past. It's non-changeable. Ridiculous. Mm. It's not reality anymore. You know, the only thing that's real is, is the present. It's the present. Yeah, world. right now, right now. Right I always now. say in yoga, like, yeah, you know, yesterday's history. Like, uh, we just move on from the past. Let go of the future. It's not happened yet. Be in the now. We all need to live more in the now, don't we? Be in the now. If, if only that was possible. And the Dalai Lama will probably vouch for this. You can't <laughs> live in the moment. It's yeah. not really possible. The organism won't allow you to live in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's because it'll make you curious and then you'll think back and then you'll compare yourself to others. Mm-hmm. Am I fitting into society? Am I fitting yeah. into the group? Am I fitting in for me? There's mm-hmm. too much going on in the organism for you to ever feel completely present. But have a look at it and see how it works because generally the, the knowledge is power when it comes to mm-hmm. mental health for certain and understanding what your body is doing at certain times, understanding chemically, biochemically, what's going on in your body at certain times and why you need that dopamine. And sometimes when you don't get it because of expectations, Mm. it's okay. And sometimes it's just okay to sit with feeling crappy, you know? I think we are after that fix of, we need to feel good all the time. We need to feel, which I get, because I have to be careful, like when I'm talking about manifestation and positivity, I think I say to people, yes, it's great to feel good. And there are ways you can get yourself feeling good and using the breath and all this. But however, I have to say it's more important than ever when you're having a rough day or you're having a tough day to sit into that and process it and give yourself time to really feel the other side. Because we're never always going to be happy. We go through the spectrum of all the emotions and 
I think that that's when we can truly live a healthy life is when we accept all areas. And yeah, I think that's a nice, a nice notion to sort of, I I hate to say this, but we're almost an hour in. Are we? Gosh, I've gone quick. I know. I have listened so much to you because I I, honestly, I've got the baby here as well, but I didn't want to say anything. I just wanted to listen <laughs> yeah. to everything it's... you were saying, Kevin. And, and and April, you've asked some brilliant questions there as well. But I feel really inspired. And it's something that I really want to kind of delve into because I've, I've watched my husband do it. And now I want to do it myself. Yeah, so, I think yeah. we've got to book a session to come, well, individually come over again and have a one-to-one with you, Kevin. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's so, it's so inspiring the work you do. And I think that, especially that you're targeting like all this, you know, if anyone is out there and they're feeling like, because we all have stuff from the past, we all have built up trauma. I th- I was like the person you said, I didn't realize it was there until you really give yourself time to look. And through this work, it starts to bring up all those things you want to release. And I think it's so powerful, the work you're doing. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is powerful. And it's helping me to heal a little bit from, from, from my past. So these amazing people like yourselves and your sister, you know, that have come to see me, I, I learned so much from you. I'll never forget your trauma. I'll mm-hmm. never forget what people tell me because it because it, it matters so much. And the only reason I'm not venturing out and, and expanding and doing these big group sessions and making it all yeah. this big thing is because that's that's not where the answers are. The answers are with self, your shadow, you know, and you can't find that in a group. If you find that in your bedroom when you're 13 years old on your own, mm. there you need to go back there and, and be safe and happy with that before you can move on uh, as an adult. It, it, it's the whole thing, and you're not going to get that in a big group session on a one off occasion or if you go every weekend mm. because yeah. on Monday morning again, it'll still do the same thing. You won't understand why you turn up to work, you switch your car off, and you. Mm, uh, you have to understand what that is and knowledge is power that's that's where you start to find some of the answers well that's a good way to end it on I think connect with yourself more get into learning about this all the education around it and knowledge is really power thank you so much Kevin for coming on and we're definitely I know I bet loads of people will be reaching out to you now to book in and um yeah just I hope I wishing you all a good day and I think you've inspired me to go and uh, get out on a long walk and <laughs> get in the cold today <laughs> I hope so I hope so thank you so much for having me on thanks for inviting me on I really appreciate it oh thank you thanks everyone bye bye-bye if you've enjoyed listening to with intention why not give us a fabulous rating help us connect with more like-minded people like yourselves and build out our fabulous community or Subscribe to our podcast and you'll never miss an episode.